Throws to the end zone. He caught it! He caught it! He caught it! 25 yards! Touchdown pass! The coverage was there! The ball had to be perfect! It was! He caught it! Niners will win it! Welcome here once again, everybody, to the Mouse Joe podcast. And join me, a familiar friend of the show. He writes for uh, CBS. He's uh, one of their uh, top writers right here. I'm talking about none other than Brian DiArdo. You can follow him online on Twitter and Instagram at Brian DiArdo. And Brian, I got to tell you right now, these playoffs so far this year uh, have been off the chain so far as far as like the mixture with new quarterbacks. And, of course, when you look at everything right now, too, I mean, some, like, little blend of renewance of rivalries so far. I don't know about you, but this has been a blast so far, including beginning with Super Wildcard Weekend. Let's say you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on the show with you, Charles. And uh, I couldn't agree more. It's been a good playoff series or season. I do feel like the divisional round last year was, was better. We had the Chiefs, just off my memory, Last year, we had the Packers 49ers game at Lambeau. That was pretty epic with the snow and then the Niners coming back and winning. Um, and then we had the Bengals uh, uh, Titans game that was good. Um, and there was another, oh, and then obviously the Chiefs uh, Bills game last year. So I do feel like the division around this year was a little bit lacking. But overall, I think it, it has been a, a good postseason. Um, and it's actually been kind of predictable. I mean, three of the four teams that were in the conference finals a year ago are all back. The only team that isn't ironically enough is the team that won the Super Bowl, the Rams. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been uh, impressive. I would say the, the, you know, maybe the, the couple of things that stand out to me, the three things really I think that stand out to me, how good the Niners defense is. I mean, it's a stout defense. They've looked great now, you know, two games. I thought Seattle played really well till late in the third quarter and then it kind of just unraveled for them. But I do, I do think in that game, Seattle, I think gave you the blueprint on how you could potentially beat the 49ers. Now the 49ers with, with McCafferty being compromised, I think is a huge thing that people aren't talking about. So the Niners defense is, I think the first thing Charles that comes to mind for me so far to, you know, takeaways from the postseason. Uh, the other one would be how good the Eagles look overall. I mean, they've only played one game, but they looked utterly dominant against the Giants, a Giants team that looked good mostly um, against the Vikings. And then the last, you know, the other one would be the Bengals, you know, a team that, um, you know, the Ravens, uh, I mean, as you know, Charles, with being a Steelers guy, I mean, you know, AFC North football, how familiar all the teams are with each other you kind of throw that game out the window as far as how it looked. It wasn't a quote unquote impressive win for Cincinnati, but they just needed to, you know, survive in advance. And they did. And then that Buffalo game, I mean, was just a dominant performance. I mean, it it, it was the type of game, you know, I think old school Steeler fans would appreciate because it was, it was defense and running the ball and selective passing. And, and, you know, anytime you can run the ball the last quarter of a game, in a playoff game, that typically means you're winning. So that's a good sign. So, but yeah, so far it's been interesting. And I'm in, uh, excited to see what happens uh, the next couple of weeks here. And you know what? Thanks for bringing up the Eagles and Niners, by the way. And that was the first uh, game we're going to bring up. And we'll get back to a little bit later on with the Buffalo Bills. I want to hear your thoughts. Let's hold that for a little bit later on. But right now, believe it or not, in the history of the playoffs, this is the seventh time in where rematches occurred in consecutive years. Uh, the last one, of course, is right now currently the 
later half of the Sunday game, which will be the finale of Conference Championship Weekend, that will be the Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, which were, there was going to be a little question of concern that that was going to be at a neutral site because since the Bills were up a game on the Bengals going into that Monday night game due to the tragic circumstances with Damar Hamlin, the Bills did happen to win their final game of the season as well as the Bengals. But the problem was, since it was still a game difference and that previous game was declared a no contest, things fell right in the play. The Chiefs were the huge uh, bad factors. But as we look at it, and there's also been a couple, three straight uh, playoff rematches too in the conference championship beginning back in the 70s with the Steelers versus the Raiders in Oakland, 1974 from 1976, played each other at least for five straight years, may I add, in the playoffs, but at least three straight of those have been decided in the in the conference championship, two out of three in Oakland, the old Oakland Coliseum. They also had just recently, too, what just happened in the divisional playoffs, nice little rivalry renewed right there with the Cowboys versus Niners, 1992 for 94 in the Four hours poll within a game of the all-time playoff rivalry, which is still owned by the Cowboys at five and four, despite dropping the last two. Beginning with Steve Young exercising demons of Joe Montana. Here's the tail of the tape right now. The four hours are number one and points allowed with 277 and first and total defense with over 5,110 yards. While the Eagles offense right now. 2,509 yards, averaging 4.6 yards per attempt. That's been the very key focal point of this offense. Jalen Hurts being that explosive added dimension to make this team a real threat, which they've been clicking on all cylinders. But here's another thing, Brian. I want to ask you with this right now. 76, can you believe it or not, in a quarterback protecting league? Yes, I said 70. That has not been done since by the Bears or the Vikings in the 80s. Here's another twice who own the record was 72 and 1987 if not for that one game stoppage where they played 15 instead of 16 games they're on their way to smash their record of 72 sacks they ended up with 70 Vikings said 71 can you elaborate how impressive it is these days because to be honest with you in my opinion I don't know about you I find that more impressive right now versus when back in those times it was a defense oriented league hard hitting it's not like where the safety is right now, but just fight off the referee calls, roughing the passer. That is phenomenal. No team has won a Super Bowl in a single season with 70 or more, but because of and Ryan's Bears did was Super Bowl the year later. Your thoughts on that real quick, this pass rush. And especially one, I think the Steelers kind of missed that nose tackle, Javon Hargrave, which I'm surprised he hasn't made a Pro Bowl. 11 sacks, career high. Yeah, no, you're right. And the Eagles' pass rush, I think, is one of the parts of their uh, their team that's underrated. I will say this. It is impressive. But when you compare it to the sack totals from the 70s, I would counter that defenses now have – or even the 80s. Yeah, teams have Defenses have more of a chance to sack the quarterback now because there's more passes in games than before, right? So I will say that, like, so in the 70s when the Steelers had X amount of sacks – you know, probably harder for them to do that because back then quarterbacks may, I mean, if you threw 20 times in a game in the seventies, that was throwing the ball. Right. So I think that does kind of counter, but I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles pass rush. I didn't know that Charles, that no team had not won a super bowl with, you know, getting 70 sacks. It's kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, I mean, their pass rush is really good. And I think that Brock Purdy, 
I don't want to say he's getting exposed, but I think what's happening to him is what happens to a lot of rookie quarterbacks. I mean, Steeler fans can remember, you know, Ben's rookie season. Um, you know, the Steelers were lucky to beat the Jets in the division round that year. Ben did not play well in that game, but this, you know, his teammates kind of bailed him out. Um, Deuce Staley in overtime kind of carried the way because I think Bettis had a maybe a groin injury or, or a pulled hamstring or something of that nature. Um, and then the AFC Championship game, Ben really played bad. And he admitted afterwards, years later, that yeah, he was worn down. And so I think that that Brock Purdy, that's happening to him. And on the flip side of that, when you talk to Joe Burrow, and he said it today, that one of the biggest things that's helped him and the Bengals this postseason run is kind of knowing and going through the gauntlet last year, knowing the mental and the physical grind that it is. I mean, it's a marathon, right? And I think that you're seeing the difference between a Bengals team that now knows what it takes to go through this gauntlet versus a Brock Purdy who, I mean, and I just, I mean, I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. I do think if the Niners are healthy straight up, I think that the Niners win this game. I just, with with McCafferty being compromised, and I still don't think Elijah Mitchell's all the way back. I think he's definitely playing compromised. He doesn't look nearly the same as the guy that played so well down the stretch last year. And uh, Debo Samuel obviously is not 100% either. So I'm taking the Eagles for that reason. Um, and they're pa- But that being said, I will be interesting to see how well Jalen Hurts plays against this Niners defense. Um, you know, this is this will be the best defense that he's faced so far. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares against it. Also, too, I think which is very interesting right now, a lot of the discussion, we've seen this before in the past. Uh, it's been a long time since we had conversations like this, but the quarterback position, more particularly at the 49ers, the New England Patriots, remember when you had uh, Drew Bledsoe, when Bill Belichick was his second season. Tom Brady was drafted the year before. Of course, he did not start, but Bledsoe, he did get a nice, hefty contract extension back in the day. That nearly is what it is right now in terms of the salary cap, but – I think uh, Bledsoe, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went down to like around week three, if I'm not mistaken. Week three. Yeah. Now, week, no, week two. I'm sorry. Week two. Week two. And I believe it was got the Jets, too. Yep. But you have an interesting scenario right now where Trey Lance, who they uh, surrendered player draft capital to move up in 2021 trade for to like grab him in the top five. And then you, Jimmy Garoppolo was lingering. He was one of the hot hand quarterbacks last year who was once again one of the saviors, uh, keeping that offense under control behind the very solid defense. It came up very short uh, by a hair against the Rams, which arguably should have been in the Super Bowl last year. But there was questions on him where he was going to be re-signing that. He was going to be having the shoulder surgery right there. A lot of teams were hesitating on trying to sign Garoppolo. Uh, so happens, looked like it would be a genius move, right place, right time. They signed him to a one-year deal, beat Trey Lance's backup, he injures his knee in the second game versus Seattle Seahawks. Lost for the season. Here comes Jeremy Garoppolo once again. But then, week 13, mystery relevant. Unfortunately, like it or not, Brock Purdy right now, he has been dynamic. 13 touchdowns to four interceptions right now. He's laying it up in the playoffs right now. He's been averaging 153 yards a game in the regular season. Bulk that up to 273 right now in the playoffs. Uh if the 49ers are able to cut through the Eagles and they continue to streak, because I imagine when's he going to hit that valley yet? We haven't seen him make that mistake and get exposed. But if they happen to do hold off, win the Super Bowl, what do you think happens with the quarterback situation with him and Trey Lance? Is this pretty much almost given as with Brock Purdy, or do they still 
try and do a nice sales pitch, Trey Lance, keep him around. He, he may not be their starter, but continue to learn behind the bench in case you need a backup if you're not going to keep Garoppolo, because I think Garoppolo would be a camp-saving move. What would be your thoughts on the quarterback situation? I think right it'll now? be an open competition. I think I think Garoppolo's gone. I think that's pretty much known, right? I think he's gone, but I think it'll be an open competition. I think that – and I think it's going to be Trey Lance's to lose – um, you know, and it's funny because I think my dad is one of them, you know, Steeler fans, um, you know, I don't think they, the ones that like Pickett, right. I feel like they don't necessarily like the success that Purdy's had because you do hear some of the, so like, and I know, you know, this Charles, but I feel like, and maybe not anymore, but I feel like for a long time, there's been like, as far as Steeler fans, there's like the picket camp and the anti-picket camp and the anti-picket camp will look at the success that Purdy's having, and they're saying, see, like, this guy's having way more success than than Pickett, and what they're only looking at is touchdowns, interceptions, which obviously, you know, Purdy's, as you said, 13 and 4, right? You know, and then they look at Pickett's, and it's, what, 7 and 8 or 7 and 9 or whatever he finished was not as impressive. But when you watch the two quarterbacks play, at least in my opinion, I mean, Kenny Pickett's a better quarterback. So, um, and I think now you're starting to see that with Purdy now struggling against Dallas. And he didn't look good in the first half against Seattle. Um, and I'm going to give him some credit. I mean, he certainly has made some good throws. He certainly has played very well, obviously above his draft status. Uh, he was Mr. Irrelevant, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, he's you know he's, on, he's in an offense that's pretty high-powered. He's got, you know, arguably the league's best tight end. When healthy, he's got, you know – Debo Samuel, he's got, you know, uh, McCafferty, who I can't believe was not an all-pro this year. It kind of boggles my mind that he wasn't even a pro bowler, but I digress. Great defense is putting him in good spots. Great play caller, Kyle Shanahan, 1,000-yard receiver with Brandon Ayuk. So I think if you put Kenny Pickett in the Niners offense right now, he's going to look great. But to answer your question, I do think it'll be a uh, open quarterback competition between Lance and Purdy. I mean, the nice thing is, they're both on their rookie deals, so they're not pressured to make a decision. They can just let the natural process play out. So, but yeah, I mean, I think when you look at, um, you know, all four teams that are left, uh, if you just solely go by the quarterback play, I think that the the Bengals have the best quarterback play. And I think with the with the Chiefs, I feel like there's a lot of gamesmanship going on, Charles, because you, you see it today with, with Mahomes being a full practice participant, you see him walking off the post-game press conference or the uh, the practice or whatever press conference Mahomes had today. You see him walking out, you know, not with any kinds of braces or anything of that nature. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the Bengals clearly have the, the quarterback advantage uh, of all the teams here remaining. And, and really, and I, you know, agree with Boomer Esiason. I think he said it after the Bengals beat the Chiefs. This is their window to win it. I mean, it, it is. I mean, now I think if you have to rank, you know, one to four of the best teams left, I think it's the Bengals and the Eagles are the top two teams left. Um, I think the Chiefs are really good. I don't think their defense is as good as the Bengals' defense. And then you throw in Mahomes' you know, injury. I think the Bengals are and, – and I don't really know who to pick between the two. Philadelphia's been the better team all season. They've had a better season. But I think the Bengals are clearly the hotter team. Uh, Dallas has shown you that you can score points against the Eagles' defense. Uh, and if you spread them out and you dissect them, which is how Burrow is going to want to play you. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is the Bengals' window. 
uh, if they're going to get that championship. I'm going to go ahead and take the Niners in this game and only hopes because Jalen Hurts, he has been playing hurt. He showed no signs last week. I think a lot of people were questionable, too, against the Giants last week. Oh, similar like how the Eagles beat the Falcons against Michael Vick back 20 years ago in the divisional round before they had to go up in the rematch versus uh, Warren Sapp and his Buccaneers, other first-year head coach, John Gruden, who inherited Tony Dungy's team. They really finally got the test right there made the proper adjustments, were able to get to McNabb and finally get an offense going. One guy from like the athletic was like saying, too, if you compare Purdy to Hurts, Purdy will probably be a little bit more exposed only because of the playmakers he has to depend upon, like Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. While Hurts, I mean, if both him and Purdy were given like the Giants roster, they'd probably say that Hurts would make Purdy look a little like more in trouble because Hurts can do more. He's proven he can throw the ball. The only question is, I think people are starting to get a, a reminder once again, this is the price you pay with mobile quarterbacks. When you run a lot more than you pass, you start seeing these guys take more hits like Lamar Jackson right now. It's still not a, a guarantee if he's going to get, no pun intended, his new deal locked up. That's when you've been missing six straight games back to back season. Not only that, not showing up for your team and support in the playoffs. I just think that's kind of limbo right now. I'm not sure if anyone's going to uh, guarantee a guy who's going to be that hurt. I get who he is, but... I think I think somebody's going to gonna pay Lamar Jackson. I think if Lamar Jackson called Jim Irsay and said, hey, I'll, I'll come to Indianapolis, but I want some money... 230 million plus guarantee? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, the the I think there's a lot of teams out there that would that would give Lamar Jackson whatever he wants. And actually I think the Colts would be in a great spot for Lamar Jackson. I think that, I think that the next evolution for his career needs to be an offense that allows him to throw the ball more and take less hits. I mean, he's an accurate quarterback. He can throw the ball incredibly well. He has a great quick release, um, but he's at that phase in his career where, as you said, he's starting to get hurt more because of the offense he's in. And so he needs to be in an offense that's going to protect him more. And I do think that there are certainly teams out there um, that would take him if he was available and would give him the money that he wants. (laughs) 